let's warmly welcome once more Brian Burgess. After 20 plus years of turning a microphone on, I'd get that right. Y'all ready? You got your second win? Who's here? Just help us out. I love celebrating people. Who's here in this say, hey, this is my first time, man. Just raise your hand. We will celebrate. Let's welcome these folks. Come on. Love y'all. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And I want to say thanks to everyone who's able to be here the whole weekend, whether whether in ca- on campus or either online. Um, if you missed some of these, I want to encourage you to go back on YouTube, pick those up, and, uh, and let's really celebrate that. I want to celebrate you as a church for, man, finishing out this campaign. And uh, wow, how awesome is that? Praise the name of Jesus. Uh, I, listen, I believe this is, this is me, not as a pastor, but this is me as a believer, okay? If believers would tithe like we should, the banks would ask us to borrow money. I mean, if believers, I'm talking about myself included, I love to tithe. I'm scared not to tithe, y'all. Something breaks at our house. I call Angie. I go, did did some money come in and we not tithe on it? I teach my children to to tithe their birthday money because it's all the Lord's. And Job taught me the Lord gives and the Lord can take away. And I don't want to be guilty of what Malachi has taught me is robbing God. When you can come together specifically as a family and it not be a question about tithing, that it's the first thing that comes off. You'll watch your budget work differently. And the bottom line works differently. But I believe if believers would tithe in the local church like we are called to biblically and get our lives together financially, the banks, uh, that's too small, the Federal Reserve. <laughs> we serve a big God, huh? And they need it. And they, need it. <laughs> they can't figure out if they want gold or if they just want to print more, right? I believe all those financial entities would come to the church and could learn. This is how, it's about how you have influence. We're at a season in life, guys, where we got to figure out how to buy the microphone. We let every sinful, demonic, quasi-crazy, radical mess buy the microphone. And the believer's like, well, I just don't know if that's what God wants me to do. God has ordained. Listen, God's always been making a public appearance. He has, uh, the book of Hebrews says at various times in sundry ways, the father had delivered himself and revealed himself through angels and the prophets, uh, through, through prophetic word, miracles. But in these latter days, he has revealed himself through his son, the express image of his glory. Right? He's always been speaking in public. Uh, Romans 1, 8, uh, 1 tells us that uh, creation declares God's glory. Therefore, man is without excuse. Now, I'm, look, I love a good old oak tree. Do y'all have, even have any of these here? Oh, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just making sure y'all paying attention. It's what you interject to see if you can fire people up. Look, I got so many texts and calls the other night about talking about cats. I ain't talking about y'all's love cats anymore. I'm just kidding. Right? I love a good oak tree. Man, that thing all sprawled out, just beautiful. I, I love to see the palm trees. I love the fact that I've been able to stay the last couple of days next to the ocean. And 
the waves are so strong here in Melbourne that you can just hear it. I, I slept every night with the door to, that's why I'm kind of a little stuffy. Uh, I slept every night with the door to my room open just so I could hear. Creation declares its glory, but I'm tell you what, I'm be mad if an oak tree outshines me for God's sake. Because that oak tree is not redeemed. I, I know what it's like to have a change. To be lost in my sins and to be overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be convicted to change my life. And not me, but him in me. I don't, I don't want to miss that. And I also don't want to miss the opportunity when I have a microphone in front of me. And I'm not talking about a physical microphone. I'm talking about a platform in life. It could happen at the break table at work. It could happen in the line at Walmart right in front of the cashier. It could happen uh, with uh, your, your kid's travel ball and all the parents are sitting on the sidelines. It could happen at, a, at, at your grandchild's uh, uh, fifth grade graduation. And you are so close with the Lord, he gives you that holy nudge and you go, oh, I got this. And you step right into it because you believe that he, will, he has called you to be influential for him. He hadn't called you to make sure everybody receives the message well. That's his doing. He's got to grant them repentance. He's got to open their eyes. He's got to give them eyes to see and ears to hear. But he gave you opened ones, and now we've got to use them. Are you with me, church? If the sum total of Christianity is just simply gathering on Sunday morning, this is... The rally. It is the prep for war. It is the reminder. Any of you ever you ever had a news reporter interview you? I know Pastor Jeff, you have. They will cut and slice you down to the millisecond. When I get a, and and what cracks me up is they always give the microphone to the one dude. Like a tornado comes through where we live, and, and the dude's like, "Man, I didn't know what in the world we was gonna do. Good Lord, I told Retha. I said, Retha, get in there where the tanning bed's at." Pull that thing down over top of us. And Lord, we got in there and we prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? That thing just took the roof off, but we were safe in that tanning bed. You know? I want to be that guy. He don't care what you think about him, but he just told the nation, we prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say we had good wishes as we heard the wind roll through. We had good wishes. Wind, go back. We didn't have positive thoughts. They prayed. I love those dudes. I, you hear what I'm saying? We're over there trying to, the more sophisticated we get, the, the, more, the more easy life is, the more pause we get. Well, I don't want to offend anyone. Man, could you imagine passing the hallway, you going to heaven, that dude's going to hell. And he looks at you and goes, I wish you'd open your mouth. Because you miss being a watchman on the wall. You ready? Pray this with me. Father in heaven, give me focus. Give me attentiveness. Fill my cup. Teach me to trust you over anything else. Over anyone else. Let me be influential for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
In this last session, guys, I've already let the cat out of the bag if you've been here. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of scripture. But the premise that I want to set up for us is this. There are three things that you can bank on in this world, and this is them. Leaders, lions, and the Lord. There will always be, and some of you are older than me, you have seen many presidencies. Right? Anybody got a guess? Just maybe one of my, one of my young at heart here. How many presidencies have you lived through? Can you? Oh, thank you so much. Anybody? Can you count that fast? Take your shoes off, use your toes if you need to. How many? A lot. Anybody, anybody start out with uh, Nixon? Anybody remember Kennedy? Huh? Anybody remember Roosevelt? Okay. I'm just, huh? Wham! Yes! I love it. Woo! That's my hero. That's my hero. There's always going to be a leader. There's always going to be a leader that as long as they're on this side of heaven, there's going to be a leader that you're going to either go, oh, hallelujah, or one that's going to go, oh, what's happening? <laughs> there's always going to be a leader that whether they be global, national, state, or local, or right even in your own local church, that is always going to do what you think is fitting. And because of their decisions and their choices, it's going to press you in certain ways that you're going to have to figure out a way to live rather than the highs and the lows. You're going to have to learn how to live what the Bible says by faith. Regardless of the leaders and the climate and the culture, and I don't know why we get so up in arms and we get shocked when pastors begin to talk about real life situations and real political climates and real economic situations because the Bible is forged in that. There's not a moment in the scripture that there's something that the people of faith don't have to struggle through because of the leader that is over them. Are you with me? Even the godly leaders have to work so hard because of the culture and the climate that was, that was uh, developed by the leader before him was so evil that now he has to press to pull them out to where they remember the covenants of God. It's a world where they understand the nationality. It's a world, but man, as soon as a pastor starts having like, Pastor, you think we think you need to leave that alone? Go offend people. If you get offended by the fact that somebody uh, maybe characterizes your personal political problem, please get saved. Please get saved so that you would understand our greatest hope is not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Free Party or this party. My greatest hope was forged on a cross 2,000 years ago and his kingdom shall reign forevermore. Are you with me? I mean that. I mean that with joy. I mean that with hope. I mean that with life. You say, well, Pastor, we got to make real decisions. Exactly. So let that conviction helped you make your decisions, whether you in the public or private. When you learn how to live by faith, regardless of the leader, you'll always be confronted with some level of lying. In the days in which we live now, the, the target is getting very narrowed in on the local church. And I'm grateful, but Pastor Jeff and I talked about this. Paul and I talked about this through our whole COVID season. And I hate to bring it up, but somehow or another, it's still remnant around us. Is that I'm grateful we were able to 
Regardless of what was going on around us, we were able to do what was best. Y'all did what was best for Faith Fellowship. We did what was best for Beulah. Did we make everybody happy? Oh, Lord, no. Whoa, man. I had people burning me up. Pastor, you need to make them wear a mask. I had people saying, you make me wear a mask, I'm going to slit your throat. I said, you better have a sharp knife and a lunch. I told Beulah, I said, look, y'all do realize there's a greater killer than COVID. And I know COVID's bad. Look, I've done enough funerals in the last 18 months to, that some guys don't do in their entire 40-year ministry. I said, but you do realize there's a greater killer than that. And it's called sin. And I don't stand at the door and say, did you fornicate last night? Did you gamble last night? Are you still living in gluttony? Are you a sloth? See, we don't think about it like that, do we? So we said there's no JV or varsity here. Give due grace to one another. Are you with me? There are lions that confront you. Sometimes they're in the form of HR or human resources. Lions sometimes confront you as a, uh, what do they call those homeowners associations? It's the beauty of living in the country. I am the homeowners association. <laughs> Sometimes it, uh, it, lions confront you with, uh, with maybe a little cluster that just doesn't like you. They got a buddy that they'd rather have in their, in, in their department and it, it, your job becomes like survivor all of a sudden. You're an island to yourself in your cubicle and you get to the place where you just even hate going to work. Because of your stance and your walk with the Lord, you find, you find that it's not just the, this climate and that climate and every climate. You just you get to the place where you're just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I'm watching people bail. I'm watching believers who have been good stewards of their money and have all kinds of giftedness say, I got enough to finish this out. I'm out. And what worries me about that is that if all the believers run and hide in the mountains... All the believers run and hide at the beach. I know I'm at the beach, but I'm, I'm preaching from a North Carolina standpoint, okay? If all the believers run and hide in their own little world or their secloistered little neighborhood and they're doing what they want to do, where will the influence be? See, when, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, the believers hid for a few moments until the Holy Spirit came. And then they saw what they had never seen before and it convinced them with great conviction we are called to stand in the middle of the fire. To have so much faith, it's not that we're looking for a fight, but I'll do an atomic, what's that, what do we call the, the bomb when we jump in the pool? My brain just went nuts on it, right? Cannonball. I'll do a cannonball in the middle of the fire for the glory of God. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm watching teachers quit public schools. It's hard. I, look, I'm married to a principal. I see it. She leaves at 6.15 in the morning and normally gets home at 6.15 in the evening. And she sees it as her ministry, but she says, sometimes I realize I can make more money at McDonald's. She said, they put the target here and then they move the target. They put the target here and they move the target. They put the target here and then they move the target. And I say, honey, if you can be a principal in a pandemic, you can do anything. But the best part about it is you're not doing it by yourself. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. This is your appointed moment. If you quit... Where will that godly voice be in the marketplace? I know those of you who are in manufacturing and in sales, it's hard to get parts now. People call you and they're like, hey, right? 
But be the guy or be the girl, regardless of the leader of the line, that you are so reliable that they won't talk to anybody else at the company but you. And if you quit now, who has the influence? Are y'all with me? I think over the years, instead of us letting the Holy Spirit make us game ready, we just gotten a little tender in the britches. We've let grace, the grace of God, uh, put us in a bubble. Rather than seeing the grace of God as the unmerited favor that equips us with gifts to stand in the toughest of moments, just like our leader did. Father, forgive them for they what? Know not what they do. And when he said it is finished, he shook the world. We only get the reports of the earthquake that happened in Jerusalem. But it was strong enough that that 13 inch heavy duty fabric in the temple was torn from what? Top to bottom. So when there are leaders and there are lions, we always have to remember the people of faith is that we still have the Lord. He was there before them and will be there after them. And because of the book of, of, um, because of, the book of, of Romans 13, the chapter there, we know that there's no leader that's in place unless God allows it. So we're still in good hands. Amen? Today I want us to look, because we're still answering the question here, how do we live in the world without the world living in us, is to not let leaders of lions deceive or intimidate you. But as you see that leader that presses you, let it cause you to cling to the Lord. As you begin to live that level of faith, let it not discourage you to where you're screaming back at the TV, to where you're ready to quit. Let it cause you to dig in and cling to the Lord. So the question for that I have for you is in this is that to live in this world and not let the world live in you, you've got to really ask the question, who will do the influencing? Is the world influencing you or are you seeking to influence the world? And who will you really trust? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. This is a story that, again, is familiar to many of us. It's the story of the lion's den. Don't let the familiarity steal the power of it. Let me set the stage for you. Do you remember how old Daniel was when he was carted off from Israel into captivity? 15 to 17. I have any 15-year-olds in the house? Any 15-year-olds? There we go right there. Hello, sis. Thank you for serving. Daniel now is an old man by this time. Daniel, the Bible's going to say that it pleased Darius. We have gone through now several kings. We have gone through Nebuchadnezzar. We have gone through Belshazzar. Now we have gone into Darius. Darius is a Persian king. We are now spanning some 50, maybe almost 60 years. So how old is Daniel? He's in his 70s. Late 60s, probably 70s. Any 70-year-olds in the house that are loud and proud about it? Amen. This, my wife keeps reminding me because she's three and a half years younger than I am. She goes, you know, you'll get your discount before I will. I said, I know, but you'll still be hot and good looking. That was good, y'all. That was good. Oh, man. Daniel's an old man. There's a season in which when Belshazzar is 
is, is king that Daniel is almost forgotten about. Because when Belshazzar has a, uh, when Belshazzar has a, a dream, the queen has to walk in and say, there is a man, whoa, I got goosebumps, there is a man in your kingdom who the spirit of God is in, and he has been given the ability to see and interpret and give guidance off of dreams. He can see dreams and visions. God has gifted him to do that. And it's as though that Daniel has been pulled back into service. Daniel's entire existence has been one trial after another. I mean, at some point you look at Daniel, Pastor Jeff, I, when I read it, we were talking about this. At some point you look at Daniel and you just think, God, what wins enough enough? You ever been in those moments? It's, it, God's not offended by that. It's a normal human question. I mean, did you imagine Daniel's like, man, we just find that, finally figure out Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> but see, Daniel had already seen a dream. He knew there were going to be more kingdoms to come. He was warned about it. But because he was a child of promise, he and the three, the three other Hebrew boys were expected. It was expected they'd be faithful. I don't know why as believers in the 21st century that we, are, uh, we think faithfulness is an option. No, the scripture says fruit keeping with repentance. That I am to continually live out the repentance that I pronounced when I made Jesus my Savior and Lord. When he entered into my life. Are you, are you seeing it now? Daniel has uh, gone through the war over food. He's gone through the threat of having his and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's head chopped off. He's gone through um, seeing boys be put in the fiery furnace. He's gone through other small details along the way. Belshazzar, all that. Him watching him be overcome. And now he's under a totally different providence. He's under a totally different experience with Darius. A new language to learn. And, and Well, talk to me, older men. You ever come a time where you're just like, I'm about sick and tired as y'all's mess. Is that a, is that a true experience? Now, it kind of comes out sometimes in not so godly ways, so we'll, we'll address that. But I got a feeling now, Daniel is at that moment to where he's just like, <sighs> but he's seasoned and he's mature. So it pleases Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one. You got to be kidding me. This Hebrew boy that has no clout in Babylon keeps rising to the top over the whole nation because the favor of God is on him because he is resolved not to eat or drink that which the king put out on the table. It started there. Do you see that? Now, although he keeps rising to the top, is it without cost? Is it without risk? Is it without a little irritable bowel syndrome? Think Daniel ever wrestled with an ulcer, Pastor Jeff? Think he ever felt chest pains? I believe he did. Because as we go on in, when the prophecy starts being given to him, Daniel takes 21 days and doesn't eat, drink, shave, doesn't put on lotions, make himself presentable. He gets on his knees and he begs for God to work. So to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no what? So that means that Daniel is reputable. 
that one among these three, that Daniel, when Daniel's on the job, <laughs> the beans are going to be counted. The T's are going to be crossed. The I's are going to be dotted. Nobody's got to come behind Daniel and clean up a sloppy mess. Let that be a rule to all of us. Whatever you put your hand to, work at it with all your might. People are watching and God will be glorified. Then this Daniel. Notice it's a near demonstrative pronoun. This Daniel. Not, not, one, you know, not one that was born afterwards where he had some friends in the neighborhood that was like, oh, that Daniel boy, he was so good. Let's name our baby Daniel. This Daniel became distinguished, read it church, above all the other high officials. And who says in your old age you can't wipe the floor with the youngins? Who says in your age of retirement that you can't be more distinguished than the latest, greatest graduate from the latest, greatest college? Stop giving up on yourself and believe in the hype to waste your life in retirement. Please, look, I'm always going to preach. I don't always want to be a pastor. You know what I mean? I tell my, wife, I tell my boys, I'm like, look, when y'all know it's time, you better tell me. Okay, I ain't gonna listen to nobody else, but I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to y'all, and then I'm gonna ride my motorcycle, and I'm old then, and I, y'all think I'm bold now? If God lets me see seventy, I hope I'm a maniac for Jesus. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Eat me? I'm tough. There ain't gonna be much to eat, right? All right, that's me. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. Okay. Daniel becomes more, uh, more distinguished than all the high officials and, the, and satraps because and what? Excellent spirit was in him. Here's the key. The favor of God on the life of a believer who is obedient should yield a spirit that draws people. An excellent spirit. A spirit that pays attention to detail. A spirit that although you are serious about your job, you're also serious about relationships. See, to be a disciple maker, you have, to have a, you have to have a working disposition in you to where you want to be around people. When I see believers, they go, oh, I hate people. People drive me crazy. Even more now. We just get tired of working with people all the time. Right? I say, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. You've got to work with people because we're not in the saving dog business. Uh, I'm not in the... the I'm not into rescue giraffes. I like giraffes. I don't have anything against them. Uh, they're going to be there in heaven, but I need to make sure you're there. And to make sure you're there, I got to be approachable. I got to be uh, am amicable. I got I to have a way of relating to you in a way in which you believe I'm believable. Do you hear it? And an excellent spirit was in him, and the king set him over the what? Essentially, he's king. Haven't we seen this before in the scripture? Y'all remember that little boy that his brothers hated his guts and he kept getting sold into slavery? And then this woman tried to set him up in a sex scandal. Then he got thrown in prison. And then there were some dreams. And next thing you know, he's what? Top of the stack. I'm telling you, the favor of God. Don't underestimate it. Now, the high officials, good for you guys. And all the satraps sought out to find ground for what? 
when you live that 10 times better life, it's going to draw the what? The haters, the critics, and the curious. For a ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the what? The kingdom. But he was already chosen because wherever he was at, there'd be no loss. With regard to the kingdom, but they could not find, they could find no ground for complaint or any faults because he was what? And no error or fault was what? So Proverbs tell us, a good name's rather to be chosen than what? Great wealth. Good name will always open up the door for you. Right? And we're called to have a good name because we serve the one who has a name above what? All names. So they can't find anything against him with his work. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of what? Now we know that Daniel is so at the top of his game. There's no off season for him that Daniel is not only great at his job, but his faith influences his job. And his faith is so, he's so faithful in his faith (laughs) that they know if they're going to find any reason to accuse him, it's going to be. Because he's predictable in his devotion to God. Are you seeing this? They know Daniel very well. Here's the point if you're taking notes today. The faithful are found faithful in everything. If you're called by God to live a faith-filled life and a faithful life, then you and I are called by God to be faithful in everything. Look, guys, if you can raise your hands high in here and, and... Praise God with the loudest of amens and encourage Pastor Jeff, Pastor Ann, and the staff here. But when you go to work, you never show up to work on time. There's an issue. If you come in here and can be a part of Bible groups and give and serve, but nobody at work wants to work with you because you're so uh, such a curmudgeon, there's a problem. Are you following me? If you have people that, I'm a pastor, I get to hear it all. If you have people that you you work in the same place and you go to church together and they come back and go, "Mm, the girl I work with is not the girl that comes to church. That's an issue. Because it doesn't matter how hard your pastoral staff works then, your testimony hinders the growth. Your testimony hinders the outreach. Your testimony makes your faith unbelievable, and when it's unbelievable, it has no influence. Are you with me? That's the problem with dress-up Sunday morning. To just walk in these doors and act like you got it all together. You know you're screaming at the kids. Look, I got kids. I know what that's like. I'm not... (laughs) You're going to get left. (laughs) Right? You ever been through those days? Right? Get out of bed. Right? But it's so that Sunday is just as special as Monday. Now, Sunday, I know where I'm going to be. But Monday, I also know who my heart belongs to. Where every day is the day you want to worship and obey Christ. Every day is the day you want to take the goods that you either heard on Sunday morning or Sunday night or on Wednesday. And you apply them to your daily living so that you are faithful and the faithful are found faithful in everything. 
Now you say, Pastor, that's a big, heavy burden on me, man. Come on, like you expect us to be perfect? No, there is none perfect. But he has given us his Holy Spirit to help us be set apart. And where we know we're not faithful, that's what we bring to the altar and say, I want you to fix this. I need you to heal me. I need you to change my thinking. I need you to help me be consistent because I see in consistency a real influence for you. Amen? I mean, think about it, guys. Think about it. How do you choose your mechanic to work on your car? Just because they gave you a low price? Any monkey can give you a low price. Right? It's because they are consistent in their treatment of you. Right? And it gives loyalty. It makes them believable. You know you're in good hands. Do you have that testimony here in Melbourne or wherever you work? See, because when you have that, you ultimately become a billboard for the Lord Jesus and for faith fellowship. And at that point, guess what? You're always, uh, you're always a politician for the Lord. <laughs> you are doing the work of an evangelist. You are drawing people in. Look, I found as a pastor, when my people that I get to pastor stop talking about what we do at church, our outreach is over. And normally they stop talking about what we're doing at church because there's a level of inconsistency somewhere. And so the push is let us all be consistent. Why? Because the faithful are found faithful in everything. Amen? Men, you want to understand why maybe your wives don't believe your faith every time you're like, you're, you know, you're like, uh, hey, I, I saw this podcast. Let's listen to it. She probably won't likely listen to it if you maybe just help with the chores around the house. That's probably too much, isn't it? But it's true. It may help your husband's lady if he doesn't always have to negotiate with you. Amen? The faithful are faithful in what? Everything. Now, this is the setup. Watch the setup now. We saw the setup with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Watch the setup on Daniel. The king, they come to him, and they, the, the other satraps are, uh, are, are, are trying to wrench down on the king now. And they remind him of the edict that he has made about worship and allegiance. And they said the king should establish a, an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, not the whole year, just 30 days. King, you're a good king. We need to get people on board with you. We need to get them fired up behind the Darius political party. Just 30 days. Nobody pray to any other god. And this is cheap. Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-foot tower. We just want people to, when they pray, say your name. So nobody pray and ask any other God except to you, O king, shall be. And if they do, they shall be cast into the den of lions. This is the first cancel culture. These guys don't care about Darius and they don't care about praying. They just care about getting what they want. I said it last night, y'all. You heard of Joe Rogan? We got a comedian who talks about MMA fighting, got the whole world upset. Are you serious? That's the ridiculous. Uh, mm, I'm going to leave that one there for a second. I got other stuff I can come back to. Now, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. <laughs> no matter how old Daniel went, got, Jeff, I love this. 
When he went back to his house, he opened up his windows to where he used to live. Many of you don't know I was born in Orlando and we lived in Melbourne when I was a little boy. When I come here, it's not only special for me because I love this church and I love your pastoral staff. It's special to me because it takes me back to a time that I kind of remember. Normally, every time I'm here, I make my trip down to Sebastian Inlet because I very vividly remembering fishing, remember fishing off of Sebastian Inlet. And it's there that I find myself sometimes praying for my family, thinking back all the zigzag of life that we went through and how God used it to make me the man that I am today, both good and bad. Are you with me? Daniel opens those windows because he still believes that his redeemer lives and that's the chosen land. And notice what he does. He got down on his knees, read it church, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. As he had done previously. So he has a routine of praying three times a day. Maybe morning, noon, and night. I don't know how it worked. I guarantee you by that window sill, there was a worn place on the sill for his forearms. And there was a worn place in the wood or wherever it was where his knees went. How long has it been since we've been on our knee, hands and knees for the Lord? We made prayer a, a, a pre-bedtime, a pre, pre-sleepy pastime. Hmm? We made it a rushed experience. Daniel was so predictable in it, he did it three times a day. As he had done previously, and these men came by, he came by agreement, and what? Found Daniel. There was no shock. They what? They knew he was going to be there. Making petition and plea before his God. Here's the point if you're taking notes. Daily devotion always accomplishes more than momentary rash religious rituals. Daily devotion always accomplishes more than momentary rash religious rituals. Let me try to help us with this. Sometimes I watch individuals go through difficulties and God uses the difficulty to get their attention. You ever been in those moments? I call them the oh God moment. Because when they happen, first thing you say is, oh God, it's not derogatory. It's a moment of praise. The issue is, as I've found over the years, is that when the threat is over and they got the peace that they so wanted from God, when the threat's gone, so are they. That is a momentary, rash, religious ritual. And some people have made a spiritual career out of it. It's never learning to live and walk by faith where you're feeding yourself daily of the scriptures. It's they wait till they get in that crisis moment and then they blow my phone up and go, Pastor, I need a, I need a good devotional. I need something to read. Pastor, could you send me 35 verses on hope? Are we telling the truth to you? I don't mind that, but I know it when it's coming. I don't mind sending anybody verses. I don't mind talking the Bible with anybody. I love it because I love Jesus, right? So you don't pay me to do that. I was called to do that. Are you with me? Well, what hurts my heart then is the fact that that individual expects me to chase them in their sin. My work as a pastor ultimately is to equip you for the work of the ministry. I need you to get out of spin cycle crisis and all these momentary rash religious rituals that only last for a little bit 
Because you didn't really want God, you wanted your idol of comfort. Which matches with my prayer, Lord, keep me safe. Keep me and my safe. Right? Nothing wrong with comfort. That's why we bought the bed we did. But when I put comfort in the place of God, I have an idol. And then my heart can't be dedicated to it. And the only time it is dedicated is when I get slapped off my comfort seat. And then it's the struggle. And then, like, you best friends with a pastor for like three months. Right? You get the, you get the news. You go, through, you go through the treatment. You have the heart attack. Your wife's spouse is about to leave. Your kids are driving you crazy. Ah! It gets your attention. How long does it stay? How long does it stay? You say, Pastor, why are you trying to criticize? I'm not. I want you out of that mess. That's what the enemy wants. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy you. He wants you to think that God's only a parachute God. Nah, he, the, the, there's another word for faith in the scriptures called hypostasis. Hippo, which is like a hypodermic needle, it goes under. Stasis is the ability to stand. He, he goes before me. He is behind me. He's on each side. He stands underneath me. The faith I now have is the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I, I get so tickled, y'all. I have, I have people in my own congregation who I know are not mature. Instead of them calling me, they ask three or four other people to reach out to me. I'm not in middle school anymore. You're a grown adult. You just never matured in your ability to handle things. No wonder you live in crisis all the time. And I tell it just like this from the pulpit. It's a wonder they ain't killed me. Are you serious? We, I'll ask them. We do have, a, we do have a phone. We have a website. We have a prayer hotline. There's no excuse for you to have to ask three or four other people to reach out to me. This call the office. I'll be more than willing to stand next to you. But at some point, I need you to stand consistent. And God's calling you to stand consistent. Daniel just didn't think up praying just because he was like, oh, I'm in trouble now. No, he'd been praying as he had done before. He knew this. He's 70 years old. You know, Pastor, when I became, first became a pastor, I used to get discouraged on Wednesday nights at our prayer meeting. It was just older people. I was like, where are younger people? And then, and then about four weeks in, I, I got over myself. And the Lord said, they have lived life long enough to know they can't make it without prayer. The young bugs ain't figured it out. They still think they're going to buy their way out or educate their way out or sex their way out or influence somebody the way. Mm -mm. Or hobby their way out of a tough time. They've learned in the seasoning of life, you pray your way out. Because prayer causes you to be faithful to me. So now I got a group of senior adults. I call them my gunslingers. I got something needs to be prayed on. I put them on it and boy, pow, 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 pow. they'll shoot it down. And we have a great relationship with that. Now the king answered and he said, the thing stands fast. They, they bring the accusation about Daniel. They are all tore up about it. And, and they come back to him and they say, didn't you say that if anybody invokes the name of a God other than your name for the next 30 days, aren't you going to throw them in the lion's den? Well, we got a guy. And the king, all mad, dealing with insubordination, rises and he says, The thing stands fast. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, you know your pet? 
Daniel, who is one of the what? Talk about, you don't think the Bible deals with racial issues? How old's Daniel? Probably in his 70s. And these guys still see him as a what? An exile. He's over the whole dad blame kingdom. Are you with me? Look, here's the point, guys. When you see things like that, like right now, we got a thing called, this is a hot topic. This is on me. This is not on Pastor Jeff. This is on me. This is how I talk to my church. Everybody trying to sell the deal on critical race theory. That's a hot topic. Let me tell you how I instruct my people. We operate off of critical grace theory. It is the grace of God that saves red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. First John says, how can a man say he loves God whom he hasn't seen and hate his brother whom he has seen? You judge a man or a woman by the color of their brownicity and we're brown because we came from, we came from dirt. Some of that brown's real lily white and some of it is beautiful black. Are you with me? But down underneath it all is a soul that needs Jesus. And the church, the church, the body of Christ operates, operates off of grace. That we consider others better than ourselves. That we think not too highly of ourselves, but we humble ourselves that we may serve. You got a racial issue? Get saved. Christ will teach you how to deal with every man, woman, boy, and girl that he has made. And that is the redemption. That is our hope. Heaven will be every tongue, tribe, and nation. Baby, I hope God assigns me a place in his choir with some dude straight out of Africa. Been putting rings on his years forever. And when he gets to praying, he goes, and he jumps like that. Whoa, I'm going to smack him on the backside and say, go boy, go. Teach me how to do that. I want to praise God like that. Can I get an amen? amen. They, they, they pitch him. They remind him, he's not one of us. He pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes petitions three times a day. Now notice what happens now. This is how influential Daniel has been. Read it. Read verse 14, y'all. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He went, uh-oh. Daniel is so excellent that even though the king made an edict that directly affects him, he is more worried about Daniel than his decree. You got influence then. That's when you are so faithful at your job. You're so faithful in your community. You're so faithful at your responsibilities that people not only depend on you, they cherish you. And you use that platform to help them cherish the king. And he labored till the what? Sun went down to rescue him. I, mean, I bet he went and got the, 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 the special law books of the Medes and the, Persh, cause the Persians. Because he had just quoted. It, it, once it is decreed it shall not. He went back and looked at law cases to see where there were special concessions for, for, uh, for a great tribute. I guarantee you he gathered his uh, politicians around, the, maybe even the crooked ones, and go, hey, what are we going to do with Daniel? I, there's no way I can lose Daniel. We're more profitable with Daniel. We fire Daniel now. We get rid of Daniel now. We're going down the tubes. We're, uh, come on, what are we going to do? 
He worked till the sun went down. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunctions or ordinances that, uh, that the king establishes can be changed. They, they got rumor of it. They heard it. He stressed over Daniel. They're trying to get rid of Daniel. Here's the point if you're taking notes. Leaders, go for you guys. Leaders lead by numerous variables. There are some leaders that lead out front. There are some leaders that lead behind. Leaders that lead behind, when it is a success, they take all the glory. When it's a failure, they blame everybody. A leader that leads out front is one that when there is success, they celebrate everybody else but themselves. And when it's a failure, they take the blame themselves because the buck stops with them because they're a leader. You with me? Leaders, by these variables, sometimes lead with themselves in mind. That's what I just demonstrated. Sometimes leaders lead with others in mind. That's the leader who leads from the front. Sometimes leaders lead with the wrong people in mind. That's why you got to be careful who really has your ear. Who really is talking to you. Who really is trying to influence you or sway you and use your influence for what they think you ought to do. But regardless of the variables by which leaders lead by, because there are always going to be leaders in this world, this side of heaven... You be so influential that your excellence troubles their mind. Do you see that? Even to the point when you take a vacation day. You say, Pastor Brian, if I did some of the things that I did and you're telling me to do to be faithful at my job, they would fire me. They would fire you until they realize they just lost $3.5 million in sales. And they're going to pick you right back up. Or there's going to be a headhunter somewhere that's going to grab you because the favor of God's still on you. Have you tried being faithful? I watched young men and women this uh, last year because of the edicts of ball and vaccinations. And some of them did. Did really well. That's fine. I celebrate those people. I also watched some of the young, young students turn in hundreds of thousands of dollars of scholarships because they wouldn't make those choices off of religious convictions. And they sent them packing. Until the verdict just came out in other colleges. I've watched students, my own niece, get snapped up by these, by these schools. And have a better, she, she got money in her account now. <laughs> she can buy books. She can, she can, she can eat on the cafeteria. Or she, can, she can use this little debit card that she got because she bankrolled on it. It's not the case for everybody, but I've seen it. When you work so well and you are so faithful to God that the thought of your absence troubles them, you know you're right where you're supposed to be. Let's go forward and let me try to land this plane. So the king, you guys know how this works. He, he brought Daniel to him and, well, he cast him into the lion's den. And the king declared to Daniel, read it, church, may your God... Whom you serve, see how predictable Dan, Daniel is. May your God now now is a, is Darius a Sunday school teacher? Is he a deacon at Faith Fellowship, an elder? He is a pagan king. May your God, whom you serve, continually what deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning what. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night what? No diversions were brought to him. No food, no women, no wine, no entertainment, no clowns, nothing. 
And sleep fled from what? He's just as tore up as Daniel is. No, he's more tore up than Daniel is. That's real influence. When you can uh, upset somebody's normal routine, there's power in that. Here's the point. Go forward. You guys still with me? This is making sense. Go forward, guys. Consequences exist. There'll always be leaders, but they're going to be lions too. And there are consequences for sin and there are consequences for faithfulness. Which one are you investing in? They pay way different dividends. But I want to encourage you to let the lion of the tribe of Judah influence your faithfulness rather than the den of the lions that are barking at you now. So you know the story. Daniel's in there all night long. Darius has no sleep on the edge of his seat. You ever had that night? We just tossed, turned, got up, got down, struggled. I can imagine Darius putting himself in a situation where he could hear the roar of the lions, right? This is loud stuff. Y'all do watch National Geographic, don't you? Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of the lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. There's no fooling now how much Darius loves Daniel. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? I hate to read that in like countryism. Maybe it sounds like this. Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God been able to serve you that you serve continually be able to deliver you from the lions? And I got this feeling that Daniel was an old man with this old raspy like Clint Eastwood voice. <laughs> oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. The account before God and the account before men is the same. That's consistency. I got a feeling they lowered Daniel in there. Man, Big Bertha was in the back and Ted and, and all them lines that they had spent so much time building up. Big furry old manes, man. They were coming out. And you could hear... Y'all watch National Geographic. They weren't just going, right? They make a living by eating things. And there's Daniel. Man, you got to think. It's probably damp and stinky. And he's he's confronted with the the fact he's not in Kansas anymore, Toto. And they're lowering him down and he can hear them coming, scratching the floor of that cave, getting to him. And about the time they get to him, there's this angel. That is the greatest zookeeper ever. <laughs> Ted, sit down. Bertha, come here. And somehow or another, they just lay themselves down. I just wonder if Daniel played with the cubs that were in there with him all night long. Stretched his legs out. I don't know what it was like. But they didn't harm him. Because he had been faithful to the Lord. You see, obedience before God and obedience in your and your responsibilities pay big dividends. Now the Bible says that the king was exceedingly glad. And he, and he commanded that Daniel be taken out of the lion's den. So that Daniel was taken up from the den. And no kind of harm was found on him. Because he had what? Trusted in God. 
He still had to go in the lion's den. I guarantee you he had the smell on him of lion urine, of, de- of, of den mess, right? And the king commanded that those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the lion's den, and they, their children, and their what? Whoa. Be careful the trap you set for the man of God. It may be the trap that dissolves you. And before they reach the bottom of the den, <laughs> this lets you know how aggressive they were. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. And made beef jerky out of them. Two different experiences. I do believe there is an unraveling that God will do when you consistently live in sin and perpetrate against those who are faithful. That's why the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will what? (laughs) Repay. So notice the point here. There'll always be leaders. There'll always be lions. But you trust in the Lord. Here's the point. Go forward, guys. The faithful will have to embrace the consequences of faithfulness to God to be ultimately influential. (laughs) You can't be as influential if you're not faithful. In the small and in the big. You can't hold a lifespan. We're not just talking about Daniel anymore as a teenager three weeks into Babylon. Now he's lived through leaders. He's lived through fiery furnaces with his buddies. He's seen, he's seen all the threats now. And it wasn't because he was on the sideline. He was right in the middle of the game. And he was so predictable in his spirit of excellence that God had put on him. He was the most sought after guy in the kingdom of Babylon. I want to encourage you to live that way. I want to encourage you to be the go-to. I want to encourage you to be so amicable, so so easy to get along with, so helpful, such a servant-minded, and be faithful in all your tasks, the private ones and the public ones, that you are easily used by God as the drawing card. And you will change a county. And you never held up one political sign. You be so influential in your group of friends by prayer and faithfulness and encouragement. You could change households and generations to come until Jesus comes back just by a choice of faithfulness. Look, I know it's difficult. I know there are days you hate your job. I know there are times you want to quit and run away and be by yourself and all that. When you feel that way, don't hear the leader. Don't hear the lion. Hear the Lord speak to you. And he will tell you, stay the course. You know, the easiest funerals to preach are those of the people who preach their own funeral day by day. All I got to do is get their name right. Because when I say their name, everybody in the church or at the graveside says, "Mm mm-hmm. You don't have to stretch it. You don't have to embellish it. You don't have to run again, right? Everybody knew them as faithful. And the grief is we need more people like him or like her in this climate now. Darius goes on to issue a decree all over the kingdom that if anybody were to ever talk against Daniel's God, that their houses would be torn down. And he declared that there was no God like, but like Daniel's. 
And then he says, in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before what? Here's the last point. I close with this. Go forward, guys. One more. No matter the leader, no matter the lions, be resolved to always trust in the Lord. The premise is traceable in Daniel. May the God whom you continually serve deliver you. The problem is not God and deliverance. The issue is, will I be resolved to continually serve him? And only you can make that decision. And only time will tell. And all God's people said. Father in heaven, we humble ourselves now with the desire to be consistent in serving you. We desire, dear Heavenly Father, based off of this story that, Lord, that you would give us such a trust in you regardless of the time, the leader of the lions, the consequences, that we would have such radical faith in you that we know you will preserve us. And even if you don't, we will still win. God, would you bless these men? Would you help them to become resolved now? In a time where the days are dark, and I believe they'll only get darker. Lord, I really believe that the revival that will come is when you break the eastern sky. Would you help us stay faithful until then? And would you let us be used by you? Today, if you're here and you say, Pastor Brian, with eyes closed and heart shielded to Christ. If you're here and you know Christ is your personal Savior, and you say, Pastor Brian, I want to continually serve the Lord that he may use me to influence others. I just want you to stand to your feet right now. You're here as a believer. You want to continually serve the Lord and be used by him. I want you, and I'm not going to count. I just want you to stand and let your standing be evidence to say, This is what I'm committing to. And those of you who are standing, I want you to pray this with me out loud. Father in heaven, I have no one but you who can accomplish all that I need. You are my lot. You are my portion forever. I humble myself in faith and ask of you to retrain me that I would be consistent in my obedience to you. Train me for godliness. Train me in faith. Train me in excellence put your favor on me that you would use me and that I could be influential in this world until the day I die or see you face to face in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said What a blessing to have you, Brian Burgess, with us.
We love you so much. Don't we love Brian Burgess? Oh, I love y'all. Yes. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Thank you.